Hello, this is Diksha from Newslaundry.com bringing you your daily dose of news. Today is Saturday, the 22nd of May. India registered more than 2,50,000 cases of COVID-19 and over 4,100 deaths in the last 24 hours. The total COVID tally now stands at over 2 crore 62 lakh and the death toll has crossed 2 lakh 95,000. These official figures, despite being staggering, have been reported to be heavy undercounts. Globally, the coronavirus has infected more than 165.8 million people so far, claiming the lives of more than 3.4 million. The executive director of vaccine maker Serum Institute of India yesterday blamed the central government for the country's vaccine shortage. Suresh Jadhav alleged that the government did not take into consideration the available stock of vaccines and ignored WHO's guidelines while rolling out the vaccination program. He said at an e-summit, and I quote, Initially, 300 million people were to be administered the vaccine, for which 600 million doses were required. But before we reached the target, the government opened vaccination for all above 45 years of age, followed by those aged 18 and above, despite knowing well that so much vaccine was not available. Unquote. His comments come at a time when various states are facing vaccine shortages and have had to halt their inoculation programs. Delhi Chief Minister Arvind Kejriwal said today that vaccination in the capital for the 18-44 to 44 age group had been halted due to the shortage and that a few remaining doses would be administered today. The Union Health Ministry said meanwhile that 1.60 crore vaccine doses were available with states and union territories. It added that the centre would be supplying 2.67 lakh doses to them in the next three days. The Indian Medical Association said today that 420 doctors, including 100 in Delhi, have lost their lives in the second wave of COVID-19. In Chhattisgarh, the government has replaced the photo of Prime Minister Narendra Modi with that of the state's chief minister Bhupesh Bhagel on COVID vaccine certificates for the 18-44 to 44 age group. Jharkhand had earlier made a similar move. The Chhattisgarh Health Minister said, and I quote, When the government of India was providing the money, they had the Prime Minister's photograph. If the state government is doing something, then we will use the Chief Minister's photograph instead, unquote. From today, passengers flying out of India will need to show a negative RT-PCR report with a QR code on it. The step has been taken by the Civil Aviation Ministry to ensure that the RT-PCR report is genuine following incidents of flyers producing fake or edited reports. The second wave of the pandemic has been marked by reports of despair and devastation, cremation and burial grounds filling up, patients dying, gasping for breath as their families scramble for help. Amid this, a section of the television media and the Modi government, which has been blamed for its mismanagement of the second wave, have been enthusiastic about spreading positivity. BJP leader Kailash Vijayvargya recently told the media not to create panic by reporting on negative stories of the second wave. Well, a section of the media didn't need to be told. They were already aboard the positivity train. News Laundry's Manisha Pandey in this week's TV Nuisance shows how. Catch the full episode of Nuisance on newslaundry.com or our YouTube channel. Amid this positivity unlimited push, News Laundry also decided to speak to reporters on the ground who have covered the second wave. In my recent report, ground reporters from multiple print and digital news organisations told me that all they have seen in these months is grief and state and human apathy. And they aren't sure how to find positivity in this. You can read this detailed report on newslaundry.com titled 
Why aren't journalists covering the COVID disaster showing positive news? Reuters reported that the Union Ministry of Information Technology has asked social media companies to take down any content that refers to an Indian variant of COVID-19. In its letter, the IT ministry has referred to the World Health Organization while asking the companies to remove all the content that names or implies B1617 as an Indian variant of the coronavirus. An unidentified government official also told Reuters that the letter was issued to send a message loud and clear. Last week, the Union Health Ministry had also objected to media reports calling the infectious B1617 coronavirus strain as the Indian variant. It had said that even the World Health Organization had not used the term in its guidelines. The WHO had also noted that it did not identify viruses or variants with names of countries. A 17-year-old boy named Mohammad Faisal died in Uttar Pradesh's Unnao district after he was allegedly assaulted in police custody for violating COVID restrictions. According to PTI, Faisal was selling vegetables outside his house in Bangar Mao town beyond curfew hours, for which the policeman Vijay Chaudhary and home guard Satya Prakash brutally beat him up. Uttar Pradesh is under a partial corona curfew till 7am on May 24 to curb the spread of the infection. Faisal's family alleged that the teenager was then arrested and taken to the local police station where officials brutalised him further. His condition deteriorated and he was taken to the community health centre where he was declared brought dead. The police official has been suspended and the home guard dismissed from service, according to the police. Unnao Additional Superintendent of Police Shashi Shekhar said the matter will be probed and an FIR registered against the policeman. He added that the accused will be booked for murder. After the boy's death, Local residents protested in Lucknow, demanding action against the guilty and a government job and compensation for the boy's family. Talking about Uttar Pradesh, the state is not only punishing those who do not follow COVID norms, but also those who try to point out how badly the second wave has hit the state and how it is being managed. FIRs have been filed against hospitals and individuals flagging oxygen shortage in the state. The Adityanath government has been denying that UP faces any shortage of medical supplies or that the pandemic is being mismanaged. In the afternoon on the 8th of May, CM Adityanath visited Sundar Singh, a daily wage labourer, at his home in Muradabad. Singh and his son had tested positive for COVID-19. News 18 reported that the CM walked all the way to the village to talk to locals about their condition. All India Radio News also showed Adityanath asking Sundar whether his house had a toilet, muting the part where Sundar gave his answer. When my colleagues Ayush and Basant visited Sundar's house, however, he did not have a toilet and the CM had told him to use the toilet at a government school outside the village. You can watch their video report on newslaundry.com titled How Adityanath Sold PR as COVID Outreach in Muradabad. Sundar's story starkly shows how a section of the media, seemingly captivated by Adityanath's public relations machinery, doesn't really report on the suffering of poor, disadvantaged families afflicted by COVID in rural Uttar Pradesh. Listeners, while we can't say when a section of the news media funded by government and corporate advertisement money will wake up from its slumber and start holding power to account, you can count on us right now to bring you factual, accurate and pressing reportage from the ground. We are an independent news platform funded solely by our subscribers who have also made this daily news podcast possible. So, if you want news that won't try to keep you in the dark, go to newslaundry.com and hit that subscribe button on the top right corner today. Our lowest subscription is just 300 rupees a month.
Air India said yesterday that a cybersecurity attack has targeted the data processor of the airline's passenger service system, leaking the personal information of nearly 45 lakh customers from across the world who registered with it between August 26, 2011 to February 2, 2021. The compromised data includes names, credit card details, date of birth, contact information and ticket details. The airline clarified that no passwords or CVV numbers of credit and debit cards were leaked. The data breach reportedly targeted the Geneva-based passenger system operator CETA that serves the Star Alliance of airlines including Air India, Singapore Airlines, Lufthansa and United. Air India said that it was first notified about the data breach on February 25, while the identities of the affected data subjects was only provided to them in March and April. However, CETA had publicly announced the incident in March. Air India says it has launched an investigation into the matter and taken steps to secure compromised servers. And now for some international news. A ceasefire between Israel and Hamas-led Palestinian militants in the Gaza Strip remained in effect today amid Egyptian mediation. The two sides were pressed on by mediators to secure long-term calm, Reuters reported quoting officials. The ceasefire began in the early hours of yesterday. After 11 days of destructive attacks in which Israel conducted several airstrikes on Gaza and Hamas militants fired rockets into Israel, at least 232 Palestinians including 65 children have been killed in the Israeli bombardment in Gaza, while Israel has reported 16 fatalities including two children. BBC reported that the first convoys of humanitarian aid have arrived in Gaza hours after the ceasefire came into effect. The World Health Organization has called for the creation of corridors for injured people to be evacuated. More than 10,000 people had to flee their homes in the Gaza Strip. Palestinian officials have said that tens of millions of dollars will be needed to rebuild the already impoverished enclave which is also struggling due to COVID-19. Nepal President Bidya Devi Bhandari dissolved the country's parliament last night and ordered a fresh election in six months. The decision was made on the recommendation of caretaker Prime Minister K.P. Oli. The election will likely take place between November 12 and 18. K.P. Oli was recently appointed as Prime Minister after the opposition parties led by Nepali Congress leader Sher Bahadur Deoja were unable to put together a coalition government. Oli had earlier taken over as Prime Minister 39 months ago for a five-year term with two-thirds majority in the parliament. However, his government was soon reduced to a minority due to intra-party feuds between two factions of his party, the Nepal Communist Party. That's all the news we have for you today. Stay safe wherever you're listening from. See you tomorrow. All the News Laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. Catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs and sport. Visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and subscribe to our YouTube channel.